Most Divided Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided Podcast. I am the Michigan portion of this podcast. My name is Brendan. With me is Jeremy, as always, the Michigan State portion. Uh, Today, we are going to be going over the biggest storylines on the defensive side of the ball for each team going into the year. And then we're going to do what we do best and tell you how to lose some money on gambling. And that feels less funny the second time I said it, because this is take two, because I couldn't get my microphone to work. Jeremy, how are you? Stop me from babbling. (laughs) I'm doing great. I'm ready to win the people some money. We've all got a little extra spending in our, uh, in our budget now. Thank you, Brandon, Brandon, not Brandon. Thank you. Yes. uh, Uh, President Brandon, yeah, you're welcome, everybody. That was our union, by the way. Uh, God, we work so well. We're unionized for one week, and look what the country's doing right now. <laughs> yep, that's it's a dub city today. <laughs> so, uh, before before we get into the defensive stuff and get all serious about football, are you caught up on Hard Knocks? Did you see the new one last night, or at uh, least episode two? If you haven't yeah. watched episode two, we have a problem. No, so that's what I was gonna tell you. I think I'm off. I, I'm off kilter because I did watch episode two last night. Okay, uh, cool. did not did not make it to episode three. Um, so yeah, episode two, as expected. T.J. Hawkinson in some short shorts. <clears throat> Loved every second of it. Uh, I died laughing because I knew you had mentioned it on the pod, but I'd forgotten about it and didn't know the context of when it was going to be used. Uh, but I love Dan Campbell dropping turd in a post game <laughs> uh, locker room speech. Yes, fantastic! Of like it sneaks up like on you, and I don't want to be a turd. Like, oh, that's that's so great. That's so great. Just the way he drops that is amazing. Uh, continue to love Dan Campbell. Uh, I didn't even watch that game. I think I watched a little bit of that game that this episode focuses on at a at a restaurant. So I saw the beginning of the game, and I saw Aiden Hutchinson have his good series. But uh, it as a Bears fan, I greatly enjoyed the way that the Lions lost that game. I had no oh, idea yeah. that's how it ended. Uh that David Blau fumbled just trying to run off the clock and then Chase Lucas and, dropped the game winning interception. It was yes. great. It uh, was uh so yeah great great entertainment. Um I always I I think that episode three is usually my favorite one because like once you start getting some of the storylines where some of the guys you maybe have fallen in love with you start getting cut. Um, it gets good. I will say the only thing this season is missing, and I know this is still your first season, Brendan. So yes, sir. you watch back in the old seasons, they always picked like, and they kind of did in episode two. Um, he wasn't undrafted, but they did have the sixth round linebacker that it kind of make you start falling in love with. There's always like an undrafted rookie you start falling in love with, but you're like, oh, God, dude, yeah, I don't know if he's going to make this team. Like he's going to probably get cut and it's going to suck because I like him and I know his wife now or like whatever. <laughs> Um, they yeah. haven't really done that this season. I, I think they tried to. With, Some of it with comes in episode three. Okay. Some of yeah. it comes. Yeah. They uh, usually have you at least falling in love by now, because then yes. they want you to they want you to be falling in love before the first cut. But I think they're just going to probably ramp us up to like being in love with a guy right before the fifty three man cut, and that is always the best episode, Brandon. So you have that to look forward to, like the fifty three man cut roster episode. Well, that'll be next week, so, right? Because they go down to 53 next Tuesday, and that's the day the episode drops. So that usually means, though, that you'll see the episode a week later. 
Oh, okay. So, so okay. So we're probably a couple weeks out of that. Um, because like you know, obviously they they take the. So that's like the last episode. Yeah, it's usually the last episode because they cool. they quit following the team basically at that point. It's always it's going to be a little bit different now that there's only three preseason games. I know it's a different schedule than what I used to be used to of like you know mm-hmm. the four preseason games. You can know how the seasons were going to go for the show. Um, but yeah, if if the cuts are next Tuesday, they're not going to have the episode ready that night. I don't, I don't know how quick so, they work. I don't know. How I don't know. Works. Maybe they could. Maybe they will. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't think so. so I think we'll no. have like another week. So, yeah, man, it was a good episode though. Looking forward to episode three. Yes, sir. And you talked about Aiden Hutchinson, and that's a really good transition uh, because we are talking about the defensive side of the ball, the top storylines, and I think the number one storyline for Michigan on the defensive side of the ball is replacing Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. Uh, those two were a force that Michigan fans, while they've produced D-line talent to the NFL – the most consistently out of any team in the country under Jim Harbaugh. Um, they haven't seen anything. We haven't seen anything like that. They, they were dominant. They were, I think they said, I, I don't want to pull a number out of my ass. Aiden Hutchinson had an obscene amount of pressures last year. Not even, not even counting the sack record. David Ojabo came out of nowhere and was a force on the other side. And now you have to replace him. And the problem with replacing him, them, is the plan for probably a few years has been to replace Aiden with David Ojabo because they did not expect David Ojabo to be that good last year and take off to the NFL draft. That is no slight to David. I'm super excited to watch him in that Ravens defense under his defensive coordinate, the same defensive coordinator. I'm super pumped for him, but but the team just didn't expect this. So there's a bit of a hole in this area of the roster, and I think that's the biggest question mark. Uh, I'll get to how they might have some help a little bit later in the segment. But yeah, you're looking at um, Mike Morris is probably your number one edge edge guy going into the year. He was easily the third best last year and uh, made a bigger impact than a lot of people anticipated. Uh, And then you have just a bunch of guys (laughs) to me. You've got Julian Welshoff, the fifth or sixth year German kid who, if there was ever a time for a guy that old to come out of nowhere, it's a guy like that who didn't grow up playing the game of football and has been continuously learning. Apparently he showed up on Bruce Feldman's freak list, um, which we know is just a Michigan pitch to Bruce Feldman, but that's okay. Yeah, I would um, say Mozzie Smith did too, didn't he? So well, Mozzie Smith was number one, and like I said, yeah. we'll we'll get to Mozzie later. Uh, but you've also got uh, Taylor Upshaw, who kind of was just your typical just a guy, doesn't do anything wrong, but isn't really popping off uh, the the stat sheet or just the eye test uh you have Braden mcgregor who was supposed to be aiden hutchinson too who has just had a really bad injury luck and hasn't come along at the pace that maybe also the michigan staff may have expected uh so yeah it's looking pretty thin at edge and just because of how we've seen pressuring the quarterback is so impactful in the college game uh, to having a season like Michigan did last year, that does make me a little nervous uh, that that key might, that might have been the key, you know, and like we talked about last week, Michigan's offense is going to be really, really good. So I'm not 
it, it could be going in other areas, but I think that's probably the key to Michigan season is finding somebody. Yeah, fuck it. I'll talk about Mozzie Smith now for a little bit. It could even be Mozzie Smith up the middle, but you need somebody to be pressuring the passer consistently to have a solid defense. And you're going to have to replace two of the best guys to ever do it in Mason Blue to do that. Yeah, so I think that's uh, a good segue for our for MSU storyline that I guess we'll we'll get after is uh, you know MSU along their line and edge rushing uh, made a pretty good splashy hire of Brandon Jordan, uh, BT Jordan, right? So uh, guy who's worked with I think the graphic when they announced him was like 117 NFL D linemen, uh, including some guys that. Uh, this rivalry is familiar with, especially on the Michigan side with yeah. Rashawn Gary and uh, you know Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan. Like, just a ton of experience as edge rushing, and uh, so I think that's a big storyline for MSU. Is looking at um, obviously the huge story last year was the defensive backfield, which I'll get into uh, as one of my four here. But a big talking point from Mel Tucker at the end of the season, and then again at Big Ten media days, and I think also shown with the replacement of Ron Burton and hiring two defensive line coaches to come in and take that position is uh, he thinks that getting more out of his edge rushers and getting more out of his defensive line will help the secondary. Um, So I think it's going to be a very intriguing season to see where, and there's some talent on this offensive line like this, I'm sorry, defensive line with MSU uh, to see what, really comes of it in a pretty I mean it's been a full camp cycle right but in one year under Brandon Jordan like I think so far we've seen a lot of it pay off in recruiting we've felt pretty good about the D-line pickups that we have in the recruiting um but now it's kind of kind of excited for the season to be here and not just be talking about who he trains in the NFL and what recruits think of him and how he really is selling to recruits like now I want to see like okay you trained all these guys in the NFL and you made them get big contracts and really helped them. Like now let's see where these MSU defensive ends go. You know, like what, what do we get out of a Chris Bogle coming over from Florida as a transfer? Like, do we finally see Michael Fletcher show up? Like Jeff Piotrowski, you know, he's there. You have Brandon Wright who had two, I think it was like one and a half sacks in the bowl game against Pitt, former running back. Like, I'm kind of excited to see what what the D line looks like, and and if we can notice it from a pretty novice perspective as a fan, do we see a big jump in uh, in year one under BT Jordan? So I think that's uh, that's what I'll probably lead off with uh, as my first story there. Yeah, uh, we we called it the Brandon Naruto knockoff hire is what we call that, and Jeremy is nodding his head because he agrees, and it's because yeah. he knows that it was a good idea, and it's a good idea on your end too. It'll be yeah, interesting it's to hiring see a skills coach, right? A skills coach who guys love. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see the the DBs got picked on a lot on Twitter last year for y'all, but but. It definitely had something to do with a lack of a pass rush um, as well. So it'll be interesting. Okay, let's let's go to my number two. And uh, unlike last week, we this week we are going to acknowledge the coordinator on this side of the ball leaving for Michigan because he had an impact on the defense. <laughs> and unlike Josh Gaddis, the fucking fraud. Anyways, Mike McDonald left, Jesse Minter in. 
what do we make of this? You know, Mike McDonald was here for a year. He did an unbelievable job turning a defense set in 2020 in the COVID season uh, was just abysmal in pretty much every facet of the game. And he made them like a top 10-ish unit. I, I'm Obviously, he gets plucked back by Brother John to go be the DC for the Ravens. And Michigan brings in Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator previously at Vanderbilt, who was also in the running for this job last cycle. Um, Jesse Minter has a background at, you guessed it, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, coaching under John Harbaugh. And from everything out of camp, intends to run the exact same system. They are talking about defensive players this year being more vocal because it's their second year in the system. That's how consistent this is going to be as a transition. I think it will be interesting uh, to kind of see, you know, we talked about how pass rushing is one of the biggest things for a defense's success. And so maybe Mike McDonald had it pretty easy scheme wise, just to be able to toss out Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo and say, Hey, go get the quarterback and be able to send four most of the time and not take as many risks on the back end. I think if you're going to want to get to the quarterback this year, I think Jesse Minter might have to be a bit more risky. Um, But I think it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to find out until like week four, because as aforementioned on not this episode, but this show, since we've been back week three in a row, shout out to us. Uh, They play a cupcakes week one, two, and three. Then they have to come out and play Maryland in week four. And while Maryland is typically the most mad team in the Big Ten East every year, they're, they have some dudes on offense. They've got a couple receivers who are going to go in probably the top two rounds of the draft. They've got Talia Tagaviola, who I think is pretty good. And so it'll be interesting. I could see a world where Michigan – I don't think Michigan loses to Maryland at home week four in in like 99% of worlds. But I could definitely see it being like a 52 to 35 win if things aren't going well on the defensive side of the ball, if this transition isn't going well. So I think uh, obviously the key to the season is getting a pass rush. Um but I think part of that is also in this coaching transition with Je- Jesse Minter taking over. Yeah, I think uh, it's this one has to be the one that I think scares Michigan fans more, right? In a combination yes. of the roster plus coach, like we we talked last week, like oh, was are we sure the co OC going to be a good thing? You know, what did, are they going to be consistent? But I think. Maybe I was jumping the ship there as far as trying to find some cracks because if I'm going to find some cracks in your confidence here, Brendan, I think it has to be in replacing two, I don't know if generational is the word we want to use, right? But two pretty, I mean, you had a Heisman finalist yeah, on defensive no, line I know. last year. And, and you've got to replace that while also replacing a DC who was only in Ann Arbor for one year and had awesome results. So um hard to imagine that it's that easy to come in under year one and replicate or you know have that same thing come up again right so yes and real quick because i 
meant to mention this when I was talking about Aiden and Nojabo because initially it was just departures and then I forgot about him completely. Dax Hill. That is another person who Michigan yes. is going to miss heavily because he is already showing out for the Bengals. He is he was an all-world safety and uh I think Michigan fans kind of took him for granted just because he wasn't the star of the defense, which got to be Aiden, obviously. Uh, so, it, you know, it, Jesse Minter's got his work cut out for him, and and we'll really see. Um, also, they brought in a transfer <laughs> like two weeks before the season. Uh, cool. at, at he was kind of in, but just kind of cleared, right? I guess unclear to me then. So, you know, we'll just, I'll shut up about him. There's other, <laughs> other people, was... other people smarter than me that know about the situation. I'll tell you on other podcasts We're we're here for fun stuff. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I didn't look into it enough. No problem. Yeah. I think, I think it was a the guy they've tried to get in and they he finally got a waiver. Or gotcha. To, to be in Alabama. I didn't really follow it that close. I saw that he's a former Alabama. Yeah. Former five star. Yeah. Like a good, a good athletic rating. as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, he's from UT Martin. I can tell you all that. I know that. <laughs> so, all right. Anyways, all right. let's uh, let's wrap this part up. Uh, Jeremy, your number two storyline for the MSU defense. Yeah, I think I'll go coaching again. To I mean, obviously, I, my first answer there had the coaching, but then also, um, you know, you mentioned some coaching there. So I had one more storyline on coaching, but it ties into that defensive backfield that we talked about, or that I said I was going to mention. Um, part of seeing what the new defensive backfield looks like is a little bit of some coaching change in that. Uh, we shifted around some responsibilities on the defensive backfield. I think you'll see that Mel Tucker is going to primarily be working with the cornerbacks while Harlan Barnett's going to work with the safeties. Um, nothing says there's a problem here quite like your head coach jumping in on a position group, I feel like. like it's, it's clearly Granted, that is where Mel Tucker comes from. That's his coaching background. Um, you know, that's the position group he came up coaching. But I think, you know, if everything's going perfectly, he – doesn't publicly announce that he is coaching the defensive backfield. I think he just kind of transitions to walking over that way in practice just because he likes it. But, uh, but no, he's going to be more hands-on. I think it's going to be really interesting. I, there was, I, I felt like at times last year, like, I mean, as bad as it got, there was no reason to fight against the wave, but there were some positives you could see like Ronald Williams, who was the Alabama transfer really struggled the first few weeks of the year. And by the end of the season, I don't know if it's because everyone else was doing so bad or he was doing pretty well, like no one was throwing towards him. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, it's, it's, I guess I, you know, the optimistic side of me is telling me that it's because he got better and not just that everyone else was easy to pick on. Um, but, you know, they also have some, uh, some intriguing transfers. You have a mere speed come in off of the Georgia defense and yes, he, lost his starting job when he was injured last year. But if I'm going to take a backup off a of defense, I'll take it from that Georgia defense last year. Like I'm not going to complain about a six foot three cornerback coming in off of Georgia defense. Um, Chuck Brantley, obviously pretty big in this rivalry with his interception against Michigan. Uh, I'm excited to see his sophomore season coming back healthy as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see where this defense goes and can we see some growth and the 
the defensive line helping them more. Because um, if not, I think we're, you know, it's time to have the uncomfortable conversation of we all love Harlan Barnett and what happened under him with Darquez Denard and Trey Waynes and the no-fly zone back in the mid-2010s. But this would be an awful tenure at Florida State as defensive coordinator. And then coming into two really bad seasons as your secondary coach under Mel Tucker, I think then you start to have the conversation of, do we need to go another direction here? Which is tough because he's an alum. So it's, uh, and he's an alum that has a great coaching tenure in the past. So, yeah, uh, it will be very interesting to watch all of that unfold with the dbs i really only have two things of input one i cannot believe you brought up the georgia defense around me that was very rude of you (laughs) and took me back to to new year's eve not in a good place now the second thing is nf tuck coming to coach the cbs and that's all i have on that Oh, boy. Um... Now I'm going to talk about Mozzie Smith, the number one freak on Jim Harbaugh, uh, Bruce Feldman's freak chart. (laughs) And uh, that Jim Harbaugh thing was a joke, to be clear. I realize that poor jokes are the only ones that need to be explained. and I I missed the mark there, but that was the meaning of it. Anyways, to Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith uh, was a very highly rated recruit couple years back what feels like it was before covid so it feels like an eternity ago i wanted um, mozzie smith so bad brendan yeah and i'm happy so and i'm bad. happy we have him uh so he uh kind of came along slower than michigan fans probably hoped but last year it was just very consistently solid down the middle and let aiden and david do their thing um, this year, Mozzie Smith needs to be their best defensive lineman. The Michigan coaching staff is talking like he is the best defensive lineman on the team. Um, but really, I think that this defense's ceiling completely depends on if Mozzie Smith is, I'm taking over the game good, or just... I'm a real big pain in the ass to deal with good. Cause that's the floor. He's a, he's a massive pain in the ass. You have to double team him every snap. You, you, it's, it's hard to deal with, but can he just be a wrecking ball that can wreck your game plan? Um, that's how Michigan's coaching staff is talking about him. But every year, Michigan's coaching staff and every coaching staff in America is talking about a player like that. So right. it really doesn't mean all that much. But if you believe in his recruiting profile and his kind of ascension, it's been a pretty sharp uptick every year. Uh, So there's no reason to believe he couldn't be a game breaker this year. But if he's not with the aforementioned lack of depth or star power at edge, yeah, I shouldn't say lack of depth. They have a depth of guy. So, (laughs) yeah, so they really need somebody to be a an anchor, a star on that defensive line, and he's the most likely candidate. So I think he's one of he's the third biggest storyline on the whole defense. Because, um, yeah, uh, how could he not be? There's there's nobody else that talented on the defense. So this could end up being trolling, but it, if it is, it's not on purpose. 
How have the guys and the because I feel like Michigan, you mentioned it, like they're always on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Yes. Right? How have the guys in the past fared? Because I'm trying to remember, like, I feel like Rashawn had to be one of them. I don't remember Rashawn being on there, but Quiddy Pay was on there and he was excellent. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Aiden was number one last year and that yeah, worked, worked out okay. Well. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we haven't really had misses from not at the, the top. List. No, no. no. If, no. If they get put on the top, then they're going to be a really good player. And, and Mozzie Smith is a really good player. I knew yeah. we knew that last year. He was a really good player last year. Um, I guess I'll just shoehorn into this section. Um, you do also have Chris Jenkins playing in the center of that defensive line, and he was also very good last year, just not freakish level. Um, but hopefully he can have a big year when every team is forced to pay a lot of attention to mozzie so yeah that that's yeah. that's mozzie smith awesome well i'll stick on the defensive tackle you know middle of the defensive line too i mean i think an intriguing rivalry banter rivalry battle we could have is looking at the middle of our defensive lines and you guys have mozzie smith we have jacob slade i mean a guy who mm. second team all-american preseason um really showing up on a ton of awards lists and i think you know, Mozzie, the big thing that I think of from, from off-season and off-season Twitter is him on the freaks list. I always say, like, Jacob Slade is, like, he's kind of like uh, – I feel like he's like Panashit was for us last year where yeah. you look at his stats, his stats aren't amazing. He literally had 16 tackles last year and assisted on 24. So, like, total 40 tackles that he gets credit for and only one-and-a-half sacks. Not a ton, right? But I feel like he's a PFF darling, which is what uh, it always felt like Panashuk was last year. Like, didn't matter what his stats were. Like, you see the PFF tweet come out on, like, Tuesday, and Mm -hmm. he's rated, like, the number one defensive lineman in the country for that week or whatever. And I feel like that's where Jacob Slade is. But it's kind of cool to see a guy who is just the the PFF darling and doesn't have a ton of stats is also getting the love of, like, he's a really good defensive tackle. He needs to be second-team All-American. So – um, and that's a part of, I, I think what's intriguing is, you know, yeah, we, I think we focus on BT Jordan working with specifically pass rushers, which goes a little bit of linebackers, you know, mainly defensive ends, but I want to see, uh, another new hire that we had, you know, Marco Coleman coming over from Georgia tech is working with the interior of the line. Um, you know, for, again, we had Ron Burton was a guy that I think a lot of fans loved, but we also heard from some of the pros, maybe he wasn't the greatest like there weren't pro defensive linemen coming back to work with Ron Burton it was that one of those things where like there's a ceiling to Ron Burton and do we unlock that a little bit do we see Jacob Slade have a monster senior season because he's got a new voice in his ear um that's we have a guy in the second team all-american especially at defensive tackle you got to have that be a part of your four storylines so I think he's a guy that should be fun to watch definitely a run stuffer I think he you know I think back to the close games you win a lot of times could just be stops that he's involved in and a short yardage to gain defensive line situations. So, yeah. Um, uh, that's, I, I did not realize that y'all had a second team all American. That's pretty cool. I, I know who Jacob Slate is obviously, and he is annoying. And in a good way, in the best of ways for an opponent to be, you know, for them, you know, yeah. not you. But uh, yeah, 
for storyline time. We're ready to wrap this shit up. Yeah, let's get it done. What do you? What's your final one? How is Michigan's defense going to help them win games? Because I, I can see them maybe trying to throw a lot at a quarterback and try and be a turnover, like ball hawk type defense. They've they've got young guys like Will Johnson, who's a five star corner coming in. I don't know how much heat run he's gonna get, but DJ Turner was really good last year. They've got a good they've got a couple of young freshmen in the safety room and Rod Moore and uh fuck, I don't remember the other one. But either way, they're they're RJ Moten. There you go. They they have players who can make plays. Um, I'm just really fearful that this lack of a pass rush is going to keep them on the field uh, in third and long situations. This is something that you guys were talking about like all of last year is just cannot get off the goddamn field because people keep converting third and longs. I feel confident in the secondary, but a secondary and a linebacker room that has me a little worried just because they're young they can only do so much with a pass rush without a pass rush. I mean, and so I'm nervous. Michigan is not able to get off the field. So can they become a bend, but don't break defense where you give it, you're giving up yards, but you're sending in lots of bodies throughout the drive and you're still semi fresh at the end and get stops, hold field, hold the field goals. Cause Michigan has an offense that can take advantage of teams being held to field goals. Or are they a turnover driving thing? Or are they? Or do they prove me wrong and I'm an idiot and Julius Welshoff and Braden McGregor and Taylor Upshaw take big steps and they can rush the quarterback still? I don't know. I, I feel like there's just a lot of unknowns going into this year with the Michigan defense, which is just so funny because on the other side of the ball, it's like you know everything and you love it all. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in that, you mentioned having, uh, you know, a little bit of nervousness or some young linebackers and then some of that expectation. For MSU, my fourth storyline is really the excitement in that linebacker depth at MSU. Um, I don't think people are talking enough about it. I think the hard part is you have two transfers come in, you run a system where there's usually maybe only two linebackers on the field most of the time for us, but it is a loaded linebacker room right now. You have Jacoby Winman, who is one of the transfers from UNLV, 118 tackles last year. Um, granted, you know, it's kind of like watching a basketball player jump up from, you know, the lower conferences up to the Big Ten. We got Devontae Jones. Yeah, can it carry up to the Big Ten? But, I mean, 118 tackles is 118 tackles. Uh, you know, Aaron Brule, who comes from Mississippi State, Um Really exciting, you know, three sacks, SEC, had four sacks the season before in 2020. Um, I mean, he he had a great season in 2020 in the COVID year, and it was even like a little bit of a regression last year. So I kind of want to see, you know, once you get him away from playing with a uh, Mike Leach offense, what can he do? Um, And that, so that's two transfers you get to be excited about. And that overlooks that you have Cal Halliday back as a sophomore after he just had a breakout season as a freshman retro freshman so um and then Darius Snow moving to linebacker like this is a really talented group that has a ton of different skill sets and can play in a ton of different you know I feel like a ton of different alignments different coverages different situational play um and as we 
always keep going back to my first storyline, like BT Jordan with pass rushing, like these linebackers are also working with the pass rush specialists. Like what havoc can they cause when you do let them just rush the passer? So um, that's kind of my final, uh, my final one that I'm interested in. But, but I think that everyone is really because of the BT Jordan hire and the Jacob Slade on the offensive line and a really good defensive tackle and Simeon Barrow, um, you know, and a good, you know, all around defensive line performance and all the worry of the back side of the defense i think we're all kind of overlooking how good this linebacking core can be and i'm pretty excited to see it man i was really surprised to hear you say that because i thought the michigan state linebackers were particularly poor last year so they were. so I, and, I mean you think about it cal halliday had a great season but you had a guy like quaveris crouch who everyone was excited by his athleticism and really got excited about that and like oh he's a former four or five star running back he really got to show his athleticism because nine times out of ten he was out of position so the fact that he made great plays like like the fake punt against michigan where he chases a guy down that's a great play he read it well uh other times he would be chasing people down and making a great chase was because he was out of position to begin with so like corn had that boy in hell yeah, he did. So, so I think I think having uh, having guys who are a little bit more maybe I mean between Brule and Wingman, they each played three years at the position um, in college and played it in high school out of you know coming up as recruits. So, uh, I think he, the awareness and maybe the feel for the position has improved. Um, and, you know, I'll take that over a little bit of athleticism going down. And we don't even know for sure that the athleticism is going down. So, yeah. Well, that was good. Um, I gave you a time earlier in pre-show and said if we were not to this time, but we're going to do it anyways. Yeah. So, so now that we've covered the offense and the defense, it's time to talk wins. And this is a perfect transition to the gambling portion of the podcast. We are going to each predict the over and under on each of Michigan State or and Michigan's uh, win totals per a local sports book. No free ads. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not unionized. Let's start with yeah. Let's start with uh, with Michigan State, who they have the line set at over under seven and a half. I'll let you go first. Yeah. So, so I think like you know we'll do a quick a quick little rundown of the schedule just to kind of, I think that's what you need to take into account when you want to do uh, a, a bet like this. But I think for the MSU. Uh, first two weeks, we got to chalk them up as W's. Western Michigan, Akron, I think those should be wins. A crucial stretch on if this bet is going to hit or not is the next three games. Uh, the next three games, you go to at Washington, Minnesota at home, and at Maryland. Now, my first jump is like, Washington was that impressive last year. Oh, my God. I'm just uh, kidding. <laughs> just trolling. Just out here trolling. Yes, uh, sir. But, you know, my first thing is like, okay, well, Three and oh, great. Washington wasn't that great last year. Let's say it's on the road, two and one at worst. But Minnesota and Maryland are tricky games. And so I think if you want to take the over here, you got to think that they go at least two and one in that stretch. So um, then you move on to, okay, Ohio State, that's probably an L. Wisconsin, again, we get a toss up, Wisconsin and Michigan. 
that's the other part of the schedule where I feel like you have the toss up part. Um, you know, for for sure with Wisconsin, Michigan, you're on the road. So then you get your wins, your Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana, Penn State. I think you win at least three of those. So we had what if I went through that, I had at least five guaranteed. I thought two and one out of the Washington, Minnesota, Maryland stretch. We just need to win one of the Wisconsin or Michigan to go over. So I'm going to take the over, Brendan, um, because I actually think we're going to go three and zero in that front stretch of Washington, Minnesota, Maryland. I think they come into the Ohio State game five and zero. It could be very ugly that Ohio State whips us again <laughs> as a five and zero team, but I don't think Washington's very good. I've talked to some friends in the Pac-12. Um, that are big Oregon fans. They said, you do not need to be worried about this Washington team, Michael Penix or not. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say over, but I'm going to probably say eight and four feels most likely. So it's not going to be an easy over one game could Dude. swing this. But... So I just, yeah, I mean, you obviously went through the schedule, but I just like went and went through every game and said what my gut feeling was in my head. And, dude, I really think it's going to come down to the game against Penn State and Happy Valley the last week of the season. I think they're going to be 7-4 and four going into that game. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how to feel about that. I'm not very high on Penn State, but it's in Happy Valley in the last week of the season. Oh, I'm going to say over just because the universe generally likes – me to be i can't say that when i'm the defending big 10 champion on this episode i can't say the universe likes me to be unhappy about sports my whole yeah well see you know what fucking i'm going with that cocky swagger it's gonna be under they're gonna win seven games bang all right now michigan their line is set at nine and a half wins and y'all already know where I'm going with this. I fucking smash that over to me this Michigan season or well, not the whole season, but this bet comes down to a four game stretch that you need them to go two and two in. not four game stretch, but four games over the course of the year, I should say. Okay. You've got, okay. you've got at Iowa. And then two weeks later, you've got, Penn State at home. Two weeks later, you've got Michigan State at home. And then at the end of the year, go to Ohio State. If you go two and two in those games, congratulations, you won your bet. Um, I suppose Nebraska could pull a shocker and be the inverse of what they were last year and like win some crazy games that they shouldn't. Uh, And so maybe they could lose that game, but Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has not lost the games. They're not supposed to, as long as fans are allowed in the stands, like legitimately outside of that season, he doesn't lose the games where the, the Indiana's, the Maryland's, the Rutgers, he doesn't lose those in non COVID years. And and so I think it comes destroyed. He's always, that's what used to get you guys pissed off was that he would destroy everyone else that he should be but lose to the Correct. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State. Yeah. Correct. And we could go back to that, and I still think Michigan hits 2-2 two and two in this stretch. I think they'll get the 10 wins in the regular season. Um, you got the two at home and then two on the road, but at least the the one on the road is the easiest opponent you have out of all four. Iowa stinks. Iowa's not good. The, the mm-hmm. only reason I'm really 
nervous or thinking that that game is one, the one that you have to circle is just because Michigan's one and four in their last five trips to Kinnick. They, it's their first road game of the year and the first team that, I mean, Maryland's pretty good. They might be as good as Iowa, but it's your first road game against a pretty good Big Ten team for the now black and gold striped game. There, it's it's going to be a tough environment to play in, but ultimately, yeah, I think Michigan at least goes two and two in that stretch and hits the over. So, yeah. So I'm with you on the over. Uh, I went through. I don't think Penn State's a toss up for me. I went through and I found nine wins pretty easily, uh, pretty much gut feel. So it came down to Iowa, Michigan State, and Ohio State for me. And I'm with you on Iowa is just the Kinnick Stadium thing. Like if it wasn't at Iowa, I, I would easily be talking as a W. So worst case scenario, you're ten and two. I think absolute, you know, worst case. So unless, like you said, there is a slip. But as you mentioned. It doesn't really happen. Um, I will say if you guys had to go to Penn State, I would mark that as your slip. Like bad Penn State teams have caught Jim Harbaugh before. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the maze out game. It's before a bye week. And then after that bye week is Michigan State. I think you'll be locked in on that game. I don't think a bad Penn State gets you there. Um, But yeah, I think that if if Michigan's under hits on this – it's that Nebraska gets them this year. And they almost beat you last year in a really weird game where neither team played well. Yes, that um, is correct. It was, and and that that atmosphere at Memorial Stadium was about as raucous as I'm expecting Kinnick to be. So yeah. uh, just to be transparent, I, that was a crazy, crazy atmosphere. And uh, the guys stepped up. Uh, I So we both take over. You took over MSU. I took under, but mostly because I was a toss-up and wanted to be a dick. Um, You're just a messy bitch. Who's walking into Halloween with the Paul Bunyan trophy? Well, we're walking into Halloween. Oh, you mean no, it's, the game's a 29. Yeah, yeah, correct. Oh, man. It is hard to picture 3-0 and over Michigan with, like, a good Michigan. Like, I know MSU has done it recently with Brady Hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three wins in a row in this series feels extremely hard to to think of. But I'm not Trust me, it feels I'm hard not, to think of on this side too, pal. <laughs> I am not going to go against my team on this. Like I have no Yeah, yeah, well, like, neither of no, us am can I gonna here. Say that I, Michigan's going to win. It, am I going to say that I'm cocky? No, I don't think I'm cocky and like so confident that it's a guaranteed win or anything, but I have for me to say Michigan's going to win that game and bet against the team, like I just can't bet against my team I hear in that situation, right? I, so I, I, hear I, do, I don't think Michigan fans need to take that as a slight, and I don't think MSU fans need to take what you're saying as a slight. I just think that our teams are extremely even. And no, I don't, no. And, and I don't here's think the we thing: really need to... I'm mostly this feeling this confident um, because I can't. I, I don't want to know what it feels like to be 0-3 to Mel Tucker, uh, and I, it would really hurt, and I'm just saying that it's just not going to happen. I'm manifesting it into the universe. Michigan is going to win by 14 points in like a 51-37 to 37 game because neither team is going to be able to stop the other. If if Michigan goes to 0-3 against Mel Tucker, the, the response will not be rational. <laughs> at all anyway and i'm assuming that there's seven it won't be for me and i try and be rational man yeah. it won't be for me i'll be losing right. my lid 
I'm going to assume you guys are seven and zero going into that game. So it won't even be, hey, the season's over. We saw last year you can lose to us and still achieve almost every That's goal true. you have, right? And so, I did say I would do it all over again to beat 100%. Ohio State and win the Big so, Ten championship. So, yeah. so, so I think that, but the the narrative around that will be insane, especially coming off the off season of Jim's NFL search and just everything going on. If he, for some reason, and, you know, he mentions that Big Ten Media Days, like, that's what he has to do is he has to beat Michigan State. Like, the the narrative around it will be crazy. Will it mean that your program is in a bad spot? No. But the narrative will be hilarious on Twitter.com. Yes, that's what sir. I look for. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, calling my shot now, Darius Clemens at wide receiver is going to be the annual Michigan State game break at freshman breakout of the year on our end because that somehow always happens. And last year it was Andre Anthony. It's going to be Darius Clemens this year. Now we're moving on to general gambling. Uh, let's do a very rapid fire futures section. Give me all three of yours and just quick hits on each. All right, so futures. Um, one, I I love to find like the low, the low win totals that I just want to watch teams that are going to be horrendous. Because uh, I find that if I find some horrendous teams, it just makes watching a horrendous game more fun. So two horrendous teams that I've put on over bets, both over two and a half wins. Uh, Vanderbilt being one of them. Um, they have to win two and a half games, so. I don't think they're winning a game in the SEC. So here's what it is. I'm thinking they go, they win three out of conference games. They have their Elon, you know, SoCon game. Uh, they travel to Hawaii and I'm pretty sure Wake Forest is going to pound them. And so the swing game is them playing Rocky Lombardi in Northern Illinois. And I think Rocky's going to look out for me and uh, help a former Spartan out, get Vanderbilt to three wins. Um, Sorry, I'm distracted by Brandon took a walk and he has a majestic Delaware home field apparel <laughs> crew neck yeah. on and I am thrown off. Okay. Oh man. Kansas over two and a half wins. This is an MSU tie. I love Kalen Durbin. He's now at Kansas, so I want him to have a good final season of college football and get at least three wins there. Kansas, they beat Texas last year. All right. So put some if Texas is back. Kansas is back to three <laughs> wins. All right. Oh, man. That's my logic. I have no other logic. But you got to find three wins in Tennessee Tech, Duke. Uh, a Kansas bad is not team. beating Duke. Okay, go on. Duke is horrendous. Okay. Duke is Kansas horrendous. is Kansas. Okay, go on. I'm they have a good. national championship winning coach. Put some respect on his name. Uh, TCU. No. And then Texas. I mean, Texas, they're going to win. So that's four wins right there. Boom. That, oh, that boom, boom. There you go. Boom, boom, bots. All right. <laughs> and then oh, my third one. I got to pick my third one. Oh, because I'm a hater. And I think your people are going to love this because they also love to hate this team. The Tennessee line is at seven and a half games. And I don't get it. I don't. They have always recruited well. They've been a shit show for two decades and they've never slipped up in recruiting, but they've never put it together to be a team that I should respect to win eight games. So no. let me see. I, I just where, Not since where I've did been this alive. come from? I was really I mean, busy this summer, Brendan, but where did the Tennessee love come from? 
Like they're I, not even that easy of an out of Jeremy, I I didn't you don't know how away from keyboard I have been this summer. I didn't even know there was Tennessee hype. I I just thought that everybody was Seven going into the, the yeah SEC? that's that's ridiculous. And, they're not and, gonna do it. They have to play Georgia. Yeah, they're gonna kill them. And out of conference, they play Pitt, so that they have at least a one out of conference game that's hard. So they win their Ball State and Akron games. Okay. Well, they don't have Kenny Pickett anymore. And then you roll into the SEC. Do they beat Florida? I mean, Florida has a new coach. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that puts you at three wins. So you're three and one. LSU has a new coach. I still think Brian Kelly can beat Tennessee, four and two. Then they go Bama, four and three. Tennessee Martin. All right, there's your fifth win. And here's what they close with: Kentucky, Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Maybe that one win is Vanderbilt. I don't see this team as anything more. Yeah, they could wins. beat Missouri. What the fuck does Missouri uh, have to offer? But hey, what does Tennessee hey, have to offer? I it, uh, probably probably a similar uh, all fuck, they have. whatever. Probably a similar amount to Missouri. Anyways, I, I mentioned Joe that the Connelly. pit game. Sorry. I I mentioned that the pit game was a loss. I take that back. As we know, it is incredibly easy to beat Pitt without Kenny Pickett. Or else Michigan State without Ken Walker <laughs> wouldn't have done it. Thank you. Thank you. Tennessee that got the reaction I was hoping. Yeah, they're terrible. Is, is I, I agree with you. I would bet the under. I have no idea. Peyton Manning? No. Joe, Joe Milton. <laughs> Joe Milton. Damn oh, it. probably. He, he got kicked off starting duty last year. I don't even know. They're a mess. I would never take that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go even further. We're going to rapid fire through my three futures. I took UCF under eight and a half wins because the folks that meet at midfield told me to, and those are great people, and I bet they're going to win me money. I also saw that the UCF announced their starter, and I don't remember who it is, but I, I do think it looks pretty bleak over there. Indiana under four and a half wins. The energy out of Bloomington is bleak, folks. It's not good, which is a shame. I have lots of IU friends online. I like IU. I wish – I think it would be more fun for them to be like a Maryland type, even like just a little bit better. Uh, but it's bad. They finally got a good quarterback recruit, and he's now a wide receiver. It's bad. Uh, and then to even stick the knife into Indiana more – Purdue over seven and a half wins is my other pick. Ooh, like they, they play like in the Big Ten West. They have the second best AOC, Aiden O'Connell. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a they're a fun team, man. I, I think they're gonna win probably. I, I, you know, I didn't even look at that at their schedule before I made that bet. That's how bold I'm feeling, because like they play in the Big Ten West. And they probably have the best quarterback in the Big Ten West easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Jeff Brom can cook up some magic, get us like a nine-win Purdue. That'd be sick. Yeah. I I actually, like, I need to go back. I need to see if I can play around on our preferred site of choice. I would love to see what the odds are on Purdue to win the West because sneaky, like, the last week I've just been vibing with Purdue. I got into a good conversation with Stats of War, which is a great Twitter account, Parker, uh, TCU fan. He always is doing stats for like Split Zone Duo and things like that. Um, and he got me hyped on Purdue. Like I'm I'm hyped on Purdue, man. I don't really believe much of Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin is gonna be boring like Wisconsin always is. The West is there for Purdue, maybe, man. Maybe this is like the year that Northwestern wins the West. And you're like, how the hell did that happen? But it's Purdue. 
That would be infinitely more fun. Pat Fitzgerald, as, as, and I quote, is a union-busting asshole. Thank you, Jeremy. That's he your quote. anti this show. Yes, he, yeah, Pat Fitzgerald, we should go kick his ass. I bet we could take him. That old bitch. You know what? This is another great, great transition. We're killing it with the transitions today. Let's start our weekly pick em. Normally, this will all only feature Big Ten opponents, right? Is that what we plan to do? Maybe, maybe we'll sprinkle yes. in one national game. Every I week. think what we've done in we'll the past, we've always, done, we've always done every Big Ten game and one kind of national marquee game. Usually yeah, ends yeah. up being the SEC. So we're going to continue that. Yeah, uh, And we're going to work in more group of five this year. I'm holding us to that. Okay? We're going to work in some big group of five games. And Brendan, and we mentioned home field. Last year, the recording obviously went very sideways for us, but we still ran mostly a pretty decent picks contest, and we had a winner. We still owe someone a home field shirt. <laughs> I got to go find the mm. sheet again. We will rectify that situation. Well, we're going to do we it. We'll and... be on top of it this year, and there will be winners. Yeah. Get their shirt in a much more timely fashion. Yeah, hey, sorry. For the one, sorry. <laughs> I, believe, I believe it was Aaron who won last year. For Aaron who won last year, listen, home field has had some – bomb drops since then so they just have more choices now that's that's true and also you should have expected the delay you know how union employees are anyways <laughs> oh you didn't like that one huh okay no, well anyways right. nebraska nebraska, nebraska, <laughs> nebraska northwestern played in fucking ireland for some reason uh, Nebraska is a 13 point favorite. I'm going to take Northwestern simply because the Cornhuskers don't have that dog in them. And Cor- uh, Scott Frost has been making his lineman puke uh, 10 to 15. I was say, practice. you know what? They don't have that dog in them, Brendan, because them motherfuckers is puking everywhere. Yes, they are. Give me Nebraska. Give me Nebraska. They, they're going to start the season way too happy and hot. Uh, and honestly, if they don't, I mean, if they lose, Scott's just gonna have to stay in the UK. He's not coming home. Uh, but he fit in right in Ireland. I mean, it makes sense when ginger. you think about it. You know what? He looks like he belongs in the royal family. So oh shit! Should I should switch my there. pick. He's gonna be feeling at home. He's gonna win. <laughs> Fuck! Give me, give me Nebraska because you know what? That Union busting asshole. He's over in That's Ireland. True. The IRA can I, just I, catch his ass. Let's I, go. <laughs> I am siding with fucking Pat Fitzgerald. Jesus Christ. All right. Wyoming plus 11 at Illinois. Um, I'm going to go with Illinois here to cover the 11-point spread. I I like the Illini not that much, but they have a solid offensive line for some reason. Uh, well, because Brett Bielema is their coach, actually. That's a pretty good reason. And uh, Wyoming is replacing a lot this year. I do know that. I don't know a ton about the group of five going into the season, but I do know Wyoming's replacing quite a bit, and I think Illinois is going to win by at least a few touchdowns on Saturday. All right, so there's a guy who used to work at the Lansing State Journal. His name was Cody. He loved hockey. Uh, Cody Tucker, big Wyoming fan. He actually runs Related the Wyoming to blog. Oh, God, I wish. God, <laughs> then we could bring him home. But he's a big Wyoming fan, Wyoming grad. Uh, runs a Wyoming site, so I actually read a lot about Wyoming. Give me Wyoming plus the points for no other reason than Cody's a badass and Brett Bielema can go eat shit. Let's go. All right, now we've got a uh, real, real good game. We always have to throw in one of the blowout spreads just for fun. You've got a UConn under Jim Mora who ruined UCLA 
traveling out to Utah State to play the Aggies. Not only are they going to be playing in elevation, not only are they going to be playing four hours, five hours from home, body clock, but also they fucking stink. Utah State <laughs> by a million. Oh, yeah. You could. 27 is a lot, especially I feel like in a week zero game, because I feel like the blowouts don't really happen in week zero the way they should. Like normally what happens is we get like an ugly, ugly, like 26 to 15 game when we should get a blowout. But Blake, uh, just uh, Gary Anderson, sorry, I said Blake Anderson, but Gary Anderson, (laughs) formerly of Wisconsin back at Utah State back like how he got his rise in coaching at Utah State. Um, yeah, they're going to blow the doors off UConn. There's no way these kids want to play for Jim Mora any more than they wanted to play last year, where they literally had to have threatened to quit to make their coach quit. So, man, yes. Yeah, yeah, UConn's going to be – I mean, UConn's going to – Jim Harbaugh's going to hang 100 on UConn just because Ryan Day threatened to do it to him. Uh now we're moving on to a game I know nothing about, but we have a house-divided connection in this game. So we've got North Texas as a one-point favorite against UTEP. we got a little Texas derby. We're going to go with the soccer term here. Uh, I am picking North Texas to win in cover for the sole reason that Dave Warner is UTEP's offensive coordinator. Yeah. That feels right. This is going to be a neutral site game. I, I love it because you know I love the G5, so I love to give them some love. They're playing in a Sun Bowl. Sold out the Sun Bowl. No way, teams. really? Sold it out. Go Mean heard Green. That, heard that on the Split Zone Zero today. And, yeah, I've got some friends uh, that are some leftist dirtbags who attended <laughs> North Northern North Texas and now live in New York. Uh, I'm going to go with North Texas because I also hate Dave Warner, so I would like to see North Texas just – just hand a hundred on it. I don't care. I, I just want to clarify. Um, I said I picked North Texas because Dave Warner is the offensive coordinator. I never said I hated him. I love Dave Warner. thought he did a great <laughs> job. Wish he'd come back to Michigan State or go to Ohio State. I'd take either of those options. Um, we've got one more game on deck, folks. It's Vanderbilt. Does it, Wait, <laughs> you write at Hawaii. Is that true? Yeah, Vanderbilt's travel. Okay, Vanderbilt's yeah, an eight and a half p- point favorite at Hawaii, and I picked. No, I I just want to be remember, clear. No, 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 no. Give you me. You remember a the end of Hawaii last year, right? Off of me. Yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you remember? No. They went to the fucking state house to get their coach fired. Oh yeah, because they fucking yeah. Okay. They had what's his name from uh, Arizona State, the absolute psycho. Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. He was because he got freaked out over all the COVID. Shit. Todd Graham, Todd Graham. But, yeah, that, Todd Graham. yeah, fuck Timmy that. Guy. Chain. Timmy Chain is back, but this Iowa team, or Hawaii team, is a long rebuild. So, but it is okay. ten thirty at night, Brendan. Late night, Hawaii. Okay, so we're both taking Hawaii here against the spread. I'm assuming you think Vanderbilt's going to win this game because you took their over two and a half. I I initially said Hawaii to cover the spread, and it was purely because I was going to go with the – going to be 1-0 heading into play Michigan. Or I guess, well, no, they have another game because we play week two. But either way – Pad the resume going into Michigan, plus Vanderbilt lost Jesse Minter, who's the greatest mind to ever think about defensive football. So 
I was going to say Hawaii covers. You're changing your vote to Vanderbilt covering. I went back. I Mid remember, show. I remember Todd Graham. Is this legal? And yeah, it's it's legal because I run the Google sheet. <laughs> this is a you listen. Remember, I ran a it union. For your union says your part of the union says that you can't touch the Google sheet. That's bullshit. You gave me Google access. Sheet. You run the Google Doc. Okay, fair enough. Stay in your lane, just like how when you come over to the house, you can't flip oh, on a light switch. We need to get back the di- curtain. We need a sixty-dollar person to come over and flip on the light switches because they're a union electrician. <laughs> we respect job titles here. Yeah, I went. I switched it to Vanderbilt. I, I yeah, had to do, okay. I, I remember right. that Todd Graham situation and like, yeah, man. I well, if anything, Hawaii is just going to be better because they have a person running their team. Team chain is so awesome. I wish well, he could just play quarterback again. Yeah, I th- I think they should bring Colt Brennan back. Uh, do you not remember Colt Brennan? Are you serious? Uh, okay, on, this was this on. was my childhood, so no, I, know, I I, know, I but, remember. But, but Brendan, you did I mess his name up? No, but if they want to bring Colt Brennan back, you you're gonna have to bring back someone from the dead. Don't tell me he's he died. Dead. He died. So that's why I was just kind of yeah, <laughs> he man. Fucking the dude, died. Oh yeah. my god! All right, okay. Rest I'm pretty sure he had an overdose, dude, buddy. Dude, we're gonna. Oh man. Uh, he oh, died on my man. birthday last year, so... Oh, I didn't know Colt Brennan died. Leave it in. Uh, leave it in. Oh, we're Actually, leaving it in. Stays in. If, anybody, if anybody's listening to this still, they deserve this. This is the best fucking part of the show. I just found out that Colt Brennan died. Jesus Christ. See you next week. <laughs> Dreams really do come true